Good morning. Come on in. Find a seat. Thank you for choosing to join us today for worship. My prayer is that we have come ready today to engage the presence of the Lord and open ourselves up to whatever His good and pleasing and perfect will is for us today corporately, but for you today personally. I do believe He's got something great in store for you. Uh, I hope you received one of these on your way in. It's got a couple of handouts inside of there. I do hope you will take time to look through that and, and see some of the ways that you might be able to get connected in to things. There's a few that I want to highlight. Next Sunday, there's a little football game happening called the Super Bowl. And um, if you haven't decided yet where you're going to watch that or if you're going to watch that, we have a fun party right in here. Pretty sure you won't find a bigger screen to watch the game on than this one. Um, it's a potluck uh, thing, and uh, so we just come together and have fun, watch the game. There's also board games happening out there for people that don't care about football at all. Uh, that's fine, too. We just like to hang out together. So I hope you would consider joining us for that, and I believe we will open up the doors for that at 3 o'clock is what it says. So there you go. Um, Valentine's dinner. Uh, it will be our seventh annual Valentine's dinner that our youth group um, hosts for us right in here as well. And it's a great opportunity to take someone out on a date, whether it's your spouse or, or if you're single and you, you've got somebody to take out on a date. This is a perfect opportunity to do that. There's a sign-up sheet right out there in the foyer um, at the welcome desk. Please sign up for that. We do need to know how many people are planning on attending that. And uh, it's going to be a great time together. So you'll see the information right in here uh, about that. Um, we're launching a, a, a singles ministry, um, a, adult single ministry. And it's something that we've never had around here. I'm really excited about it. We've got great leadership um, lined up for that. And we're launching that with a dance. I whispered it just so that it would, you know, might just kind of soak in a little bit um, easier. Um, yes, we're, we're going to host a dance in here. I'm really excited about this. I know that we have uh, in our community, we have a lot of people that are, that are driving down to Colorado Springs to other places um, for these kind of mixers. And, and I just feel like this is a great offering that we're making to our community. And so... Um, if you have people around you, if you're not single, but you, you have people in your life that are, and you think this would be a great way for them to connect into us uh, and, and our community, I want you to invite them to this. It's going to be great. You'll see inside of here, there's a couple of different people to make contact with, Singles Dance Club. So please look through that. There's probably people in your life that this could really be a great ministry connection to them. So take some time to consider that, please. All right, I have my cell phone, and I'm pretty sure that you have yours. And so I want to put out a question to you. We do this occasionally. Um, wow, somebody's already... Wow, that was amazing. They answered the question. I haven't even asked it yet. 
Okay, my, there it is. My phone number's up there. So um, this is something we're going to talk about today, and I'd like a little feedback from you on this question. What kind of labels have you had to live with? What kind of labels have been put on you that you've had to live with? And just think through that. And if you've got some that you'd like to shoot a text to me, I'd love to be able to read those off, I promise. I will connect no names to any words. It will just be a general list of labels that I'm sharing that, that is just a part of who we are. Um, thank you. And I'm going to turn the dinger off because I have a feeling I'm going to start buzzing a lot. Okay, so my phone number up there. What kind of labels have you had to live with? Thank you for responding to that over the next few moments. I want to invite us to stand together. Let's greet one another, shake a few hands around you, get to know a name. Worship team's coming out, and we'll join together in worship. Good morning. Good morning. My microphone's still on.
Jesus, you are our comforter when we're weak. You defend us in our times of fear, vulnerability. Jesus, we are safe in your presence. God, we invite you to fill this room. This morning we choose to listen to you. We choose to fix our eyes on your glory and your majesty. Our King, our Father, our Creator, author and perfecter of our faith and our hope. We are reminded our identity lies in you and you alone. We are your sons and your daughters. Jesus, as your children, we take this time, we take this morning to spend time with you.
right up here for a second. You're standing in my boots and you start singing a song on the wrong key. That's pretty broken and it wasn't very graceful. It was awkward and messy and embarrassing. I'm a mess. And that's a label I have. When I was five, I was molested. That's a label I have. I grew up with difficult parents, a dad that was abusive. And that's a label I have. Molested, abused. My firstborn son, we nearly lost him over and over and over again. Multiple brain surgeries. My life was about keeping him alive. That was really hard. Medical crisis. And that was my label. I'm a mom of medical crisis. Financial failure. Stay-at-home mom, homeschool mom. I didn't work, I didn't make any money. Financial failure in our family, because we all go through that, right? And that's a label I have. I was in a car wreck three and a half years ago. I used to think of myself as athletic. And then I was broken. And I was hurting. Chronic pain. That's a label I have. Chronic pain. Hurting. Broken. Molested. Abused. Failure. Singing on key in front of you all. And that's a label I have. And I am not special, am I? You all have your own labels. We all do. I'm not special at all. I'm not special that I'm more broken than anybody else because we all have those labels and that brokenness. And it is not graceful. And we're going to sing a song called Gracefully Broken. And when we sang it two weeks ago, I thought, I said to Hermine, I do not like this song because when I am broken, it is not graceful. It's embarrassing and awkward. And I just want to cry. And I do the ugly cry. And then I realized, like this light bulb, this song, this song is about when I am broken, it is full of grace. Full of grace. Not that I'm graceful when I'm broken, but that's, that's when I can be so full of his grace. Take hold, I have in these hands and multiply, God, all that I 
altar again set me on fire set me on sing fire. that again take all i have in these hands and mold no pie god is all that i have and find my heart on the altar again set me on fire set me on lay it down right now, church. Feel free to close your eyes or kneel or stand or anything. You are free to worship.
We sing this one more time. And all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry. My bones will sing. Great are you. You are great, Jesus. One more time. And all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry. These bones will sing. Lift it up. Great are you, Lord. In praise. We cry out to you today from, from the place that we are, from the place that we have been in. You are the breath in our lungs today, your healing touch, your healing power, your forgiveness your grace and your mercy. And we cry out to you today in freedom. Or perhaps we even cry out to you today from the freedom that is yet to come. It's coming. It's on its way. so we honor you today regardless of what life circumstances have been like we cry out to you today it's all about you about who you are about what you have done and what you are doing now and it's even about what you are going to do. That is our faith at work this morning. I thank you for how you are speaking to us even right now. And we do open ourselves up to your healing hands, to your comfort, to your embrace, your love never fails, never gives up. It's relentless, pursuing us even right now, right now, right now. We are your people called by your name. We humble ourselves before you today. And we fix our eyes on you, Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And it's in Christ's mighty and powerful name we all prayed and everybody said, amen. You may be seated while we invite our ushers to come and
prepare to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. Jesus, you are our provider. And we thank you for the, the provision that has come, for the provision that is coming. Take what we have to offer you this morning. Use it, bless it, multiply it, accomplish your kingdom purposes with it. Build your church with it, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. A few moments ago, as ushers are doing this, a few moments ago, Terry was sharing very openly with us about some of her labels, and one of them she mentioned was her oldest son, and he's standing right here next to me. How about this guy, huh? <laughs> this is Caleb. If you haven't met Caleb, he's somebody you want to meet, but he has written a song. He's written a number of songs, and he's going to share one of those with us this morning. Caleb, share a few things with us, and we're excited to hear your song today. So as my mom said, I was raised with labels being given to me. My whole life has been label after label given to me by doctors and surgeons and uh, social uh, interactions at school that I never really did well in. Um, and then at some point I realized there's a balance between accepting the labels that the world has given to me and between using those as what God has allowed but then taking them to become the fullness of the man he designed me to be with the labels he gives me as his child and his warrior and so I wrote this song over a year ago uh, when I was just in a place of confusion and loss and searching. And so this song kind of just came out of me. And I think it's, it's, it's written from the perspective of God. So imagine it, God. It's like God singing to you. It's called This Sweet Song. Yeah, when life gets you down and you don't have the strength to get out of the ground, you just sit there. You need someone to come and sing you a sweet song and get you out of this numb and cold feeling. I hope that this can be that song. Sing it with me now. Let it release somehow. Sing it with me. here and both sing along to this sweet song and when you feel alone and you can't find the way to get back to your home it feels nowhere 
You just call me, I'll be there. I will give you strength to climb over what's harder. You'll make it. I know you can do it if you only sing it with me now. Let it release somehow. Sing it with me now. Feel the relief. Let's sit here and both sing along to this sweet song. To this sweet song. And it won't take long for you to feel much better. Just stay right beside me, we'll get through the weather. Won't you sing with me now, and we'll sing it together forever. Sing it with me now, let it release somehow. Sing it with me now, feel the What a testimony. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, thank you for that reminder. WoodlandParkChurch.com is our website, and you can live stream. So we're live streaming right now. I'll just wave at whoever's watching. Thanks for joining us. It's a great opportunity. If you're at home sick or snowed in or you're, you're out on vacation and you want to join us, you can do that every Sunday, and it's working quite well. I know there were a number of people joining us from their snowed in homes last Sunday. You know, I, I want you to know that um, I was juggling three different sermons for today, and I, and I just, I did not know which one 
was for this morning until somewhere around late last night. I didn't know what was happening for our worship service today, but when I came in and realized how all these dots were connecting, even with Caleb's song and his testimony, I'm just convinced today that the Holy Spirit really has something important for us. And, and I, my prayer is that all of us, our hearts are truly open to what it is that he wants to say to us today. I asked earlier, some of you came in late, and I, I'm sorry you missed out on this, but I asked earlier for folks to text me just a list of labels, labels that you have had to live with. I just, I just want to scroll through these and, and read parts of these. Barren, soon to be divorced, single mom alone, widow, cancer survivor, abused, victim, emotional, and yet another says too emotional. Lazy, overdramatic, parents of a handicapped, worthless addict, self-righteous, weak, judgmental, power-hungry, a liar, only because my own father was a liar. Preacher's kid. Boy, there's a label for you. Another said, principal's kid. That's almost as bad as preacher's kid. Growing up, I was always teased for being short. Single mom. Silly. No common sense. White trailer trash. Being a heavy person. Fat. Bucktooth. A bedwetter. Okay. Mia said, your daughter. I guess she's talking. <laughs> I guess she's talking about me. Got it. Bad kid. Labels. They're, uh, they're a reality of life. Some of these labels, some of these labels are just put on us without our consent, without our doing, without our action. And other labels are a result of our own choices, our own actions. The addict, the alcoholic, those, those kinds of labels are the result of, of choices. But should they, should they define us? The, the divorcee may or may not share responsibility in that label. But should that, should that define that person? Should that define 
that person when there is so much more to the story, so much more to their being, who they are. Labels are reality of life, but should they define us? In John chapter 4, the Gospel of John chapter 4, we, we find a woman who has an encounter with Jesus who was covered with nothing but labels, shrouded in nothing but labels. John chapter 4, starting right at verse 1. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than even John, John the Baptist. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but it was his own disciples. Therefore, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee, his home. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Let's pause there for a moment. Because the labels are beginning to be exposed here. It says that Jesus had to go through Samaria. The, the truth is, that's not exactly true. In fact, for most Jews, you might even use the word all Jews, except for the fact that this story affects the word all. Most Jews did not go through Samaria at all. If they had to go from the south up to the north of, of Samaria, they would actually take the extra time and energy to actually walk all the way around it. That's how intensely they despised the Samaritans. They would plan extra time for their journey just to go around it. So when it says Jesus had to go through Samaria, the truth is that's not exactly true physically speaking, but clearly it's telling us that there is purpose in this story. There's purpose in this day. When it's saying that he had to go through Samaria, it's not that he couldn't go around it, but that was, there was purpose in going right through the heart of it. And he goes right to its capital. Sychar, the, the, the name of this city literally means drunken. Talk about a label. The community is labeled. Now this is really strange to me because this is really holy land here. The, the Jewish history is entrenched in this territory. 
Sychar used to be known as Shechem. And when you go back to Genesis and Exodus, Deuteronomy, Numbers, when, when, you, when you're walking through Jewish history, Shechem shows up often. There's a list of really important things. God meets up with Abraham there. Like it just said, Joseph's, Joseph's well, Jacob's well is here. Joseph's own bones were brought out of Egypt in the Exodus story inside the Ark of the Covenant. And when they finally got to this plot of land, they were removed from the Ark of the Covenant and were buried in this area. I'm, I'm telling you this because think about the fact that Jews will refuse to even come into this area. Yet so much of their history is entrenched in it. That's how intensely they hate the Samaritan. Samaritan. That word itself is a label. It, refu it, it refers to Jewish history. When the, when the exile took place, when the Babylonian army came in and wiped out Judah and, and brought Judah into captivity back into Babylon, they actually left behind the scum. The ones that they didn't even want in town. Whoever they didn't kill and whoever they didn't um, bring back with them the, the, the cream of the crop, whoever they didn't bring back to Babylonia with them, whoever they left behind, they, that was the scum that they didn't want to have any part of. That group of people throughout the, that period of time, the period of the exile, before Nehemiah came back to rebuild the wall, they began to intermarry with other locals. So these Jews that were left behind because they weren't good enough to go to Babylon began to intermarry with other and they kept part of the law but not all of it and so because of that these people who became known as Samaritans were really Jewish half-breeds in fact, 100, about 150 years before Jesus showed up on the scene, the Jews had come into Samaria and they had burned down their temple. There was a Samaritan temple that they were, used, they were using to worship God, separate from the one in Jerusalem. They had their own temple. And about 150 years before Jesus showed up on the scene, the Jews had come in and burned it down. So, so the... The aggression between these two groups was significant, it was fresh, and it was deep. So much so that the Jews wouldn't even, wouldn't even pass by this, this well, this profound place that is, was a significant part of their heritage. But Jesus had to go there. So he sits down at the well, and it, and it doesn't tell us this, but I'm, I'm going to extrapolate a little bit. It, it says the disciples went off to get food. We, we see that. 
my assumption is that Jesus sent them away. I, I, I believe that, that he knew they were going to be a real distraction, even a hindrance to what was about to take place. The conversation that he needed to have with this woman. And he had to make sure that these guys who are well-intentioned, but who are so steeped inside of this hatred, that they, they, there was going to be a problem. So he made sure that they were removed from the scene. So they went off to go get food. And while they did that, this woman shows up. And it says it was about noon. Right in the middle of the heat of the day. And I want us to know that her timing is a result of her labels. You see, most of the women would have already been out there in the cool of the morning to draw all the water that they needed for the day. It was a very social occasion. It was a community-oriented thing. They would, they would go out there together. They would get all the water that they would need, and then they went back into town, and they would stay in the shade. They, they would stay out of the heat of the day. This woman comes right at noon, and it's really a result of, of, of her labels. So they have this dialogue, and you, you'll understand in a moment. They have this dialogue. Will you give me a drink? Jesus asks of her. You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? And Jesus responds, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you've got nothing to draw with, and, and this well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus responds, everyone who drinks this water from this well will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And out of the agony of the reality of her labeling, she says, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Give me this living water so that I don't have to keep coming out here by myself in the heat of the day. That I don't have to continue to be reminded of day after day after day after day of the pain of my life, of the reality of my situation. Because just coming here to get water is torturing me. And so he speaks right into the heart of the matter. And he says, go call your husband and come back. And she says, I don't have one. And he goes, you're right. When you say you have no husband, the fact is you've had five. 
and the man you're now with is not your husband. You've been honest with me today. pain of her reality forces her to come at a time when no one else is there, when no one else is around, when, when there's no one looking at her out of the corner of their eye and whispering to their buddies about her. Why did she, why was she on man number six? We don't know. How much blame does she have to share in the rea- in her reality we don't know but she represents us today if there was ever a person that was shrouded in labels in nothing but brokenness it's her So significant is her pain, and so purposeful is is Jesus' journey in intersecting her pain that he makes sure that all these good guys, the disciples that are following him, are, are removed from the equation. It's just him and her. He essentially says to her, you've been honest with me. I I know your labels. I know your story. I know the history. And I know where you're at right now. And yet here I am. Offering you living water. Here I am right now offering you redemption. Offering you the opportunity to have a whole different life. She's overwhelmed by what he knows about her. And I don't know if she's sidestepping him really touching right on her pain or if this is just a reality of this. uh, It's a Samaritan reality that that is plaguing them. But like I said, 150 years before this moment, their temple has been burned down. And so... There's a whole lot of of anger. There's a whole lot of confusion. There's a lot of dialogue that's happening about where they're supposed to worship, how they're supposed to worship. This is something that is spinning in the minds and on the mouths of the Samaritans. When she realizes that she's in the presence of a prophet as she sees him now, she simply asks, I can see that you're a prophet, so let me ask you this. Our ancestors worshiped, our, they worshiped on this mountain. But you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. 
So what's the story? And he responds, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in, in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit. And his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. She says, still thinking he's prophet. I know that Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus looks at her and says, I am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with the woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? I mean, think about this testimony. This is a woman who, who was completely isolated just moments before with no hope of real community, even in her hometown. And there's been such a radical touch with the living water that she runs squarely into the place that has absolutely rejected her and is like, you're not going to believe this. I know you know everything about me, but I'm telling you, there's a complete stranger that has shown up, and he has, he has told me everything I've ever done in my life. I think it's Messiah. I think he's here. You need to come and see. They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, eat something, Rabbi. And he said, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And they're still thinking physically. They're like, well, could someone have brought them food? And he's like, okay, listen, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. And he's like, there's people, there's a crowd of people from this town coming towards him. And you know, he's pointing at them. He's like, look, open up your eyes. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. I'm telling you that these words are for us. You see, we, as, we make the assumption that it is all about our efforts and I'm telling you the Holy Spirit is at work going before us accomplishing things in people's lives that we don't know about or will soon be surprised by. His love never fails and it never gives up. It's aggressive love. It's prevenient grace that, that the Holy Spirit goes 
into the dark places and is wooing and is drawing and is working on and is breaking down barriers for the hurting and the lost to receive him. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they urged him to stay there, and he stayed two days. And because of his word, many more became believers. And then they said to this woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Suddenly, the label of this town is redeemed. And is known as a place where people believe in Jesus as Messiah. Jesus offers this woman, this broken, what most would consider worthless woman, intersects her life, offers her living water. And it changes her so much that it changes the city in which she lives in, the capital of this territory that is known as nothing but Jewish rejects, half-breeds, nothing but labels. Telling you today, Jesus is in the business of redeeming our labels. Maybe even replacing our labels. If we would just let his living water pour into us. ask you to do something I believe you have a sheet of paper inside of your bulletin that for sermon notes maybe you have a writing utensil if you do I, I would encourage you to do something write down your labels If we are her, if we are this woman at the well, what are the labels that that shroud us? And it may be things that we have done to ourselves or to those that are around us that that we have responsibility in these labels or shared responsibility. But it, but, it, but it could be, as many listed earlier, it, it, it could be labels that, that have just been put on us without our consent, without our doing, without our, without our responsibility. I, I would invite you to, to write those down. 
if you're comfortable doing that. Because I'm wondering if we had a if we had a, a, a Jesus at the well moment this morning. I'm wondering what he might want to do with us today. In fact, I'm going to ask Paul, would you grab a trash can? One that doesn't have smelly trash, please. Maybe that would actually be a good thing, too. Would you just bring it right up here? Set it on this floor here. And then we have some that are on our prayer team, and I want to invite them to come up now. If you know who you are, would you come? Kathy, would you? And they're going to spread out across the front here. Here's... Just a, a clarification. We, we, have a, we have a group of people, this, this team of people that have agreed to help with our ministry on Sunday mornings. It starts this morning. Uh, they're, just, they're just prayer support. And it's going to be offered at the end of every service for whoever has something going on in life and, and just needs extra prayer, poignant prayer, we're going to offer this ministry. And ultimately, it's just you being invited to come up to one of them and, and, and have a prayer partner. Maybe this morning... there's a journey for some of us of engaging in, in, in some prayer support and then ultimately leaving the labels right here in the garbage can as a symbol of the living water redeeming them the living water being poured out in our lives and, and, and changing them. It, it, it can be an action of letting go. Caleb saying about that. Releasing. Experiencing that, that relief. Maybe, maybe that's a journey some of us can and need to take today. So these folks are up here available for prayer with you. It's available for you now if you need that. And when you're ready, maybe you want to bring your labels, cast them at the feet of Jesus. Worship team is going to 
lead us in worship during this time. Let's just let the healing hands of Christ be extended to us for a while. You and Jesus. No 
judgment can separate me from your love. No sin, no mistake can separate me from your love. Cause my debt is paid, my sin has been repaid. Your love covers all my sin, Jesus. our reality now. Jesus says, behold, I've come to make all things new. There is a, there is a new trajectory that is being set for us. Now, I, I realize that, that that might be a little scary because for some of us, we've lived with our labels for so long that they, they can kind of start getting comfortable even when they're negative. Even, even, when, even when those labels are painful and hurtful, the reality is just like the woman, she, she had learned how to do life. She knew what time of day she could go and engage the well and get the water, get what she needed. She, had, she was functioning inside of this train wreck. Yet Jesus completely changed her trajectory. That, that moment with Jesus changed everything. From that point forward, she was no longer the same. She was now a new creation in Christ. Oftentimes we, um, we attach that phrase to someone who becomes born again, a, a new believer. But really we, we fail to recognize that that, that that phrase can attach to us right now in this moment. For those that have been walking with Jesus for a long time, like myself, I can take this phrase on in a whole new meaning that all things have been made new for me. The labels I just shredded up and tossed in here, I don't have to carry those anymore. In fact, I can begin to seek Jesus for what the new truth is about me. 
That is the redeeming work of our loving Savior. Continuing to accomplish His good and pleasing and perfect will in us even now. Thank you, Jesus, for what you have begun. Really, that's not correct. Thank you, Jesus, for continuing what you have been already doing in us. Perhaps there are some today that that are just acknowledging it, just fully acknowledging or maybe fully embracing this healing work, this redeeming work, this transforming work. But we release the old. Some of us has torn it up. Some of us have threw that stuff in there and just like it was like no more no more there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus oh we breathe deeply in that now and I'm asking Holy Spirit that you would continue this work by giving us our new identities, relabeling us with your words, with your insight, with your eyes. If, if all things are now made new, if, if we are truly being made new by you, you now call us sons and daughters, free, redeemed, unconditionally loved, not forsaken, not abandoned, forgiven. Heirs to the throne. We celebrate you, who you are, yes, but we, we now especially celebrate what you are doing in us. And our lives, our regular everyday walking around lives, are going to look different, and they're going to feel different. They're going to sound different. Because we're functioning under new labels. And it's because of you. And Satan, we put you on notice. You are the father of all lies. We know this about you. We have learned this about you. And you've been successful up until this point lying to us about our identity, lying to us about our labels. You have been exposing these things 
and you have been taking every opportunity that you can to pounce on us in these areas and beat us down and wreck us and trying to derail us, but we put you on notice, that is over. That is done. You have been defeated by the blood of the Lamb. And you no longer have a say in our lives. Your voice has been silenced. Your strength has been removed. Victory is ours because of Jesus. What we have tossed in the trash can, we leave behind. And it's all because of you, Jesus. Will you stand? Let, can we just sing in this victory for a few moments? You are making me new. gracious to you. May you walk in his strength this week. May you be empowered by his light this week. And in your newness, may you find overcoming victory in areas where you've never had it before. 
Have an amazing week in him. See you next time. Thank you, Jesus. All to Jesus now.